Thanks for joining for our latest 30 for Net Zero 30 episode. Today, I am very happy to be joined by Denise Chen, Chief Sustainability Officer of Melco Resorts and Entertainment with integrated resorts in Macau, Manila, and Cyprus. Denise, thanks so much for joining us today. Maybe you could start by giving us a little bit of your background. Sure. Thanks, Anna Marie. I guess if I go back to the beginning, I grew up in the UK um, and have had, you know, pretty traditional um, pathway through finance. Uh, I was an accountant, went into banking, um, and then found myself at Malka Resorts, helping with the raising of financing for all our developments, um, and eventually culminated ending up being treasurer of the company. Um, but I kind of hit a point a few years ago where, you know, just evaluating my career and really feeling um, a need to find a bigger purpose in terms of uh, my career path, which is why I then pivoted um, and, and moved into sustainability and was given that role, um, given the opportunity internally to move into that role. And so that's really where I find myself today, um, putting together the sustainability strategy for the company uh, and driving all the sustainability initiatives towards our long-term goals, which we've set to be you know, pretty ambitious. Um, we've got 2030 goals for um, to be carbon neutral at, uh, across all of our resorts. Um, to also be zero waste by 2030. And that means, you know, diversion from landfill as well as incineration with no energy recovery. Um, and the third area that we focus on is really around sustainable sourcing. Um, resorts like ours obviously have, the procurement is vast. Uh, so initially we're targeting three key areas um, which cover seafood, chemicals, and cotton. Fascinating. So stepping into a brand new role to uh, to see what you can achieve. Excellent, excellent work, Denise. Maybe can you share with us what you've seen, you know, in the last sort of eighteen months to two years around um, sustainability? Have you have you seen a shift in how it's it's viewed or seen? I mean, you're based in Hong Kong. Is has there been any evolution there? Absolutely. I think three years ago when we started thinking about the strategy and what we were going to put in place. I have to admit there were areas where I wasn't sure. And that at that time, the technology and the products didn't necessarily exist to get us to where we wanted. An example of that, for example, at that time, was I really wanted to focus on single-use plastics um, at our properties and to eliminate single-use plastic bottles um, from both our back-of-house areas, meaning our uh, staff areas, as well as the front-of-house um, with the operations and the scale that we have, it didn't look like there was a one-stop solution that was going to be possible um, to achieve that. However, over the last few years, we've actually worked together with a company called Nordak Fresh. They're a Swedish filtration company and previously had only been making um, individual taps for bottling filtered water. Uh, and as of the uh, um, January this year, we basically got an entire um, bottling plant delivered, which was custom made for our resort. Um, and it, that will basically eliminate 15 million plastic bottles um, a year out of all of our resorts in Macau once that's fully up and running. So that was in a very short space of time where when we first started, it didn't seem like that there was going to be a, a solution um, that would be able to scale up enough to cater for that. But I think overall as well, you know, not only on that front, I've definitely noticed um, since I've been in this role, the shift in terms of general awareness. Um, like I said, the speed of products coming into the market that are sustainable to cover many facets, whether that's um, technology on the energy efficiency side or um, with plastic or with, or, you know, with tracking food waste, et cetera. Um, 
it's really ramping up. And I think also with COVID and the last, um, you know, I guess close to 18 months that we've been living through that, um, I feel as though that, you know, people generally, it's been brought to the forefront of their awareness even more on the environmental side. And companies kind of moving into that void is, I think, really interesting. So, so can we just stay with your, your water um, solution? Because I think that's fascinating for people to kind of figure out how you did that and how you, I guess, persisted, even though at the beginning you didn't think there was any solutions. Can you step us through? How did you stick with it and find the solution? I think one of the biggest barriers that companies face is that there is a preconception that sustainable initiatives cost more money. Um, And I think that was the main barrier, whether we'd be able to find a solution. I mean, obviously, I think if you pay enough money, there's going to be some kind of solution, but it's whether it can be economically viable um, to replace the existing, which is single-use plastic bottles, which are by its very nature cheap. So that was really the conundrum we faced a few years ago. It wasn't that there wouldn't be that product at all, but whether that could fit both from a, uh, a replacement of the, from the environmental perspective as well as the economic perspective. And I think just given my background in finance, I've put a real focus on that in terms of our strategy so that when we're, when we're implementing new products, you know, I work to show that there is an ROI there that can be delivered. And with this machine, it certainly can. And I think the payback was around one and a half years, the payback period. So it surprised a lot of people um, internally I think that there is this solution there, which from the outset could seem big. You know, it is a CapEx expenditure after all. But when you actually look at it over the life, um, it saves money. Yes, that's an excellent point, because I think that is that is a barrier when you're trying to 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 really get buy in from a company perspective. You know, everything people want to do things in a sustainable way. But but the idea of having to uh, incur more costs is really certainly a, a, a big stopper. So, so now that you've 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 solved plastic uh, in your Macau um, resorts, is there any specific action that you're looking um, looking for in the kind of near future? I think one that's really important for us, and that we have placed a lot of focus on outside of plastic, is food waste. Um, that was another area that was surprising. A few years ago, we did full waste audits across all of our properties um, to get a, a sense of what it was we were dealing with. I think without that data, you don't know. You can probably guess, okay, there are certain areas, you know, uh, plastic or whatever that that we want to focus on. But without the hard data to support all of um, the focus of, sorry, where you should focus your attention, it's very difficult to know which of those, uh, which area to start targeting. Um, But food waste came up at about 30% or more of our total waste stream. And when we dived into that in a bit more detail, I guess the number one thing people would think of was, oh, yeah, you know, all your outlets and, and, you know, guest facing um, restaurants. How do you start bringing that down? In actual fact, it became our employee dining areas that generated the most. And when you take a step back, it does make sense. We've got, you know, close to 15,000 employees across the group um, going into employee dining 24 hours a day. Um, So we we took a real focus on that. And I think that is one area that doesn't get as much focus as say plastic does. Um, You know, you hear a lot about plastic in the media, food waste, you do, but not to the same extent. And I find that certainly not from a general awareness level, it's definitely not at the same level that plastic is. So we then, we've implemented AI technology into our employee dining areas where we've got this uh, technology called Winnow. 
Um, it basically records every time food is thrown away into the bin, it records what it is. The AI learns the menu and, and, re and recognizes what's being thrown away and the weight. So we literally have live data every day as to what's being thrown and how much of it. And that's also been a massive surprise. So there's a few areas to address that. One is looking at overproduced waste, so we um, food waste that um, basically food is put out and not eaten. Um, and separately, plate waste, which is food that then is uh, taken onto um, people's plates and thrown away as excess or, you know, remains of, of whatever it is you're eating. Um, so from an overproduction perspective, um, literally almost the month that we implemented that because of the data flowing through, we were able to reduce overproduction by up to 67%. And that equates to almost eight times annually um, in terms of a reduction on food waste on overproduced waste. But by far and away, the biggest contributor from our, in our results to food waste in employee dining areas is plate waste. That's about 80% of the food waste within the total of food waste. And on that front, um, we work together with Winner, who are, it's, it's much harder with plate waste. The AI can't recognize, I mean, you can imagine once you've eaten something or not eaten, it's, it's a bit of a mess. So it's very difficult for AI to recognize exactly what that is. So from that standpoint, it's much more an awareness raising tool. Um, so they've created it's a similar machine in the sense that it will take pictures, but this then records the weight every time someone throws something into the bin, the weight comes up and you can see. And, it, and it's just purely from that visual element and uh, raising awareness that way. And we've we've done that with Winnow. Um, we're doing that trial at the moment, um, backed by LSE in London, who are, are doing the analytics behind that. And it's and it's much more based on a communications campaign. So looking at how you can change communications to drive behavior. And that's also just a mere like 13% reduction that we've seen in plate waste over the uh, few months that we've been doing that. That's really fascinating. And really fascinating how people's behaviors are actually changing just from you know, putting additional information in front of them, right? When they're When they're making their own actions, right, on an individual level. Really, really, really interesting. Um, I guess, and, and brings me to my next question. So taking it uh, a little more um, in-house for you, what, what, are there any things that you uh, particularly are committing to around net zero in the next uh, 12 months? Yeah, I think um, it's been kind of a, a, a long journey upwards that's been accelerating, particularly since I had kids. So I feel, you know, for example, with plastics, we've We've done the extent possible at home in terms of water, you know, water filtered bar soaps, bar shampoos, toothpaste tablets, all of that. Even my kids, you know, bamboo toothbrushes. What would be great, and I guess this is, it's a bit tricky living in Hong Kong, but you know, as a family, we're looking to possibly move. And you know, in the new environment, I really hope to be able to be more self-sufficient in the sense of if you're able to grow, for example, your own vegetables, herbs, that kind of idea. So, and and we certainly have switched our diet massively um, in the last couple of years, moving, you know, if I think about my plate a couple of years ago, I'd say probably a third of it was meat or fish oriented. And I think now we've totally flipped that. So we, we're trying to eat as little as possible. And so it's probably like once or twice a week um, at most um, we'll have meat. So there, there's all these little little contributions we're trying to make but I guess the big ones you know renewable energy if I can get to the point where you know I can live in a house that I can power through solar that would be amazing yeah nice nice uh, nice personal goal there so then 
if you could get uh, one person listening to take one action um, around uh, reaching net zero goals, what would that be? I mean, it could be, you know, going into your company and and, and starting this sustainability program. What, what do you think from, from your point of view? I feel like with sustainability, when you try and set a big task, it can seem quite insurmountable, I think, with the amount of information that's out there. When you think of the task in hand, it can seem insurmountable. So I feel as though this is something that every single person, because this is an impact on the whole of humanity. And I think there are kind of two aspects of this. One is to raise the awareness around it, because I think we're beyond net zero even. We're at a point now where we need to be taking carbon out of the atmosphere, um, not just trying to reduce our own emissions to zero um, moving forward to be able to make this work. And although that seems all doom and gloom, there are solutions out there. Um, for sure, that can get us there. But it also will take every single person, one, to have that awareness, to recognise why it is so important, um, that it does have a direct impact, whether it's, you know, through um, climate risk and flooding, you may not live in an area that's low-lying, but there are much wider implications, depend, you know, of those areas being flooded on, on everybody, everyone, irrespective of where you live. So I feel like it's one, raising that awareness. And the second one is this in your everyday activity. I think consumption is a real problem. I think our society now has grown up to, you just consume, you don't, you, you don't think about it. everything has been made so easy. You know, you click a button, I can get, you know, 20 books here, you know, click another button, I can have five dresses delivered. It's, I think every time you're faced with a consumption decision, I think you need to think about one, is that necessary? And two, is there a way I can do this that doesn't harm the environment? Because every time you're doing any transaction, even being on the internet, that's, gen you know, you using up electricity, like it, everything we are doing has an impact. So I feel like if every person was more conscious of that and tried to live, no matter how small that, that change is, it's, it will make a difference. Inspiring words. Uh, yeah behavioral change to to um to drive climate restoration and you know that that is a really interesting point and one that needs to be talked about more it's not it's not just net zero right it, it is about healing the environment back to uh and, and i say environment in the widest sense of of environment back to to where it's sustainable and resilient for all for all the inhabitants of the planet. Thanks very much, Denise, for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and, um, and really appreciate your efforts. Um, great work uh, across the, you know, the Melco team on really stepping up to this challenge. Thanks so much, Anna-Marie. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you found it worthwhile. To learn more about the issues we've just covered, please visit ashurst.com forward slash podcasts. This 30 for Net Zero 30 episode is just one small part of our continuing podcast series, ESG Matters at Ashurst. Make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes by subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're there, you can also listen to our other episodes and leave a rating or review. In the meantime, thanks again for listening and goodbye for now. <laughs>